As an avid horror fan, the best weekends are spent finding haunted houses and exploring them. I usually try to get into the places that are abandoned. There's nothing better than the still silence of an abandoned building. The rush that you get from obscure sounds. Was that another person? Or was it a ghost? There's a fine line between condemned and needing to be demolished. Knowing that you could be the last person to experience a place is one of the biggest highs. I have a small following on all my different social media accounts. People love to see the creepy places I visit. Some even donate money so that I can keep making content. It's cliche, but I really don't do it for the money. Definitely a perk, though. I'm sitting at my desk one day, and a friend of a friend of a friend, you know how it goes, emails me. She moved to the UK not too long ago, started dating a guy in real estate, told me all about him, how they met, he's so great, yeah, yeah. And apparently, one of the most haunted houses in Essex is up for sale again after being bought around two years ago. I wish she would have put that at the top. I could have missed this email. Anyways, the last time the house sold, its listing got like 30,000 views or something. A lot of looky-loos and not a whole bunch of offers. The current seller is hell-bent on keeping this listing as private as possible. You must be in the know, and the realtor has to be approved before showing the house. Very exclusive. My friend and I chat for a while, and I am all in. We settle on dates, and I book a flight out there. I have a month to do all my research and buy all the gear. I don't typically do haunted houses. I do enjoy haunted locations, but someone's house? That's a little different. It feels like hauntings would be more personal. I feel like ghosts get bolder when they have someone they can bully. Haunted abandoned places ghosts may show themselves or they may not. You never know what you're going to get. This is my first big trip. I've never been out of the country and I've never explored somewhere as prolific as this place. The name is also incredibly ominous. The Cage. Witches, ghosts, and demons. I would not say I'm a religious person, rather spiritual, but I do pack my cross necklace though, just in case. We'll skip to the part where I make it to Essex. I doubt you all want to hear about my 24-hour travel experience right now. My friend's boyfriend and I are pulling up to the house. It's yellow with a super creepy door. This is too good. I discreetly take photos on my phone. I'm sure it's fine if I take photos. I am, after all, a potential buyer. Buyers take photos, right? Right. The other realtor is already there waiting for us. However, he was to the side of the building. We exchange pleasantries and he asks me a few questions. Do you know the history of this house? Why are you interested in buying this house? Who would you mortgage through? Do you have any type of recording device on you now aside from your phone? I wasn't expecting these types of questions, but because of the steps that had to be taken to land this tour, I can understand. There are a million articles online, documentaries, shows, even the owner before its current one gives interviews in the home. I'm really not understanding the secrecy, but I answer his questions and he asks for my phone. I give him a skeptical look and tell him I would rather hold on to my phone. This is not up for discussion though. He begins to walk away, telling us, Thank you for your time. I can see you are not serious about purchasing this house. Wait. I hold my phone out. He turns around and takes it, completely changing his demeanor. He pulls a set of keys out of his pocket and then replaces the empty space with my phone. He says, after you, and follows us in. 
we are immediately in the dining room. It's a small space. There's an additional room in front of me, extending to another room, and a kitchen to my right. I can see the small staircase, perfectly preserved with the rest of the house. I never would have been able to tell it was once a prison. The house is quaint. Most of the house is preserved in an old-fashioned accent. It's not a spacious house, but for one person, it would be fine. We wrap up our tour, and now it's time to scheme my way into the house later tonight. We head out of the house, and I suddenly must have lost my ring inside. It's my grandmother's ring. She gave it to me just before she died. If I lost it, I could never forgive myself. I'm granted to go look in the house, but I have to make it quick. I'm not supposed to be in there alone. I look for a way to make sure I can get in later. I unlock the back door and a window just to be sure. I exit the house, making a show that I just remembered I left it in my hotel room. Silly me. I thank the realtor and tell him the house is just not for me. It's too small, but otherwise seems lovely. We drive off and I began to tell my friend's boyfriend the plan. While he's uneasy with me breaking into the house, he tells me he has no part in it and to leave his name out of my mouth if I get caught. We make it back to my friend's house and I began to pack my bag for the adventure to the cage, solo. I ordered some neat equipment to aid in my paranormal investigation. Something to pick up ghost voices on the microphone, an energy reader to know if there's a spirit nearby, and a heat sensor. Now I just need to wait until nightfall to make my moves. My friend is allowing me to borrow her car, but I have to park it somewhere without cameras. This is beginning to feel like a heist rather than exploring an old haunted house. I find a nice, dark side street. No real buildings, so no cameras. I'm about four blocks from the cage. I walk there with the occasional car or two passing. I never really stop to think if this is a safe neighborhood to walk alone in at night as a woman. Too late. I'm arriving to the house and I'm not turning back. I check the back door. Still unlocked. We must have been the only people in the house today. I creep into the house. It's dark and still. I'm trying to be as quiet as possible. The floors are old, so they give me away. They creak with each bend. I shut the door behind me, a low creak with a heavy thud as it latches. I'm officially in the house. I shut the curtains to make sure no one on the street can see me. I turn my headlamp on and begin to set up all my equipment. As I'm sitting in the back room, I hear a loud crash from directly above me. I'm frozen, waiting. Did something fall? Then I hear the sound of a door opening from upstairs. Crap. I put my equipment back into my bag as footsteps begin to descend the short staircase. They are heavy and slow. Whoever's walking down the stairs does not care if they are heard. I put my backpack on my back and fade into the corner of the room. I will not be able to make it out of the house without being heard. The footsteps continue and they are making their way towards me. As they walk into the back room, everything goes silent again. I can sense something just on the other side of the door frame, not moving, waiting for me to give myself away. I'm trying so hard to breathe quietly, to not move a muscle. A figure steps into the room. In the low light, it's hard to see, but it's a person. A tall man. Grotesquely tall. So skinny. 
almost unhuman. I don't know how I can tell, but this man turns to where I am in the corner of the room and comes at me with an unnatural speed and slams into me. The breath is knocked out of me and I fall onto the floor. As I open my eyes and reassess my surroundings, I'm alone. There's no one in this room with me. That was no man. I take the heat sensor out of my bag and turn it on. The screen doesn't show much. I can see where the windows are due to the temperature difference. However, that's about it. I walk forward into the living room of the house. I'm scanning the room when I see a shot of blue, very small. I look up at the space and it's the doorway to the kitchen. I adjust my stance so that more of the kitchen is in view. I'm seeing the tall figure standing in the kitchen. Less man-shaped though. It looks like blue static, but if you focus, you can make out legs and arms. He is unmoving, menacingly watching me from the other room. I was wrong to think it had left after rushing me. I decide to head upstairs. I'm going to stay in this house as long as it'll let me. I start up the stairs and decide to explore the room to my right. The heat sensor shows nothing in the room. I wait a beat. Nothing shows still. I decide I'll check out the other room. As I walk across the small hall, I have to step back onto the staircase. As I check down the stairs, there is a figure of a man. The heat sensor shows it's the same phantom from before. It followed me to the stairs. It's still watching me. I check the other bedroom and nothing. I heard there were supposed to be many spirits in this house, and I'm only seeing the one. I need to leave. That thing is stalking me around the house, and I'm scared it's going to try to hurt me again. I've made it one step down the stairs when I hear the faintest of creaks behind me. The bathroom. Not wanting to be caught off guard, I turn around. The door continues to creak open so slowly. The bathroom is pitch black. A figure bursts out of the bathroom and directly into me. It shoves me backwards and my feet tangle underneath me. I fall. I crash onto the floor and my head whips back, slamming onto the floor. Everything is fading to black. I come and I go. I open my eyes with blurred vision and see nothing. I open them again and see a dark figure hovering over me. Each time I come to, it's closer to me. Eventually, it's in my face. I only see its hollowed eyes. I try to bat it away but feel too lethargic, my hand barely moving. The next time I wake up, there's a woman over me. While it's still dark, she seems to be exuding light. She sprinkles something over my body, brushes my hair out of my face, and she's gone. I wake up again. My head is throbbing. Daylight is shining through the cracks in the curtains casting sun flares, dust floating in them. I slowly pull myself up and try to recall what happened. I remember being pushed down the stairs and the thing watching me last night. I look down and see dried flower petals fall off of me as I move. The woman. She protected me. I gather my bag and stand up, go to the back door, and leave this house. I'm out in the courtyard, making sure to not be seen. I cut through some trees and take one last look at the house. From the top window, I see a woman peering down at me. I raise my hand and mouth, thank you, and make my way back to my car. Hey guys, it's Holly and Brittany. 
two sisters who take a deep dive into the history of the world's most haunted places and paranormal happenings. This is Sister Stitious, and it's about to get spooky. We would like to include a trigger warning, as this episode contains examples of suicide. A modest and unassuming home, about 80 miles outside of London, sits on 14 Colchester Road in a small village in Essex called St. Osseth. At first glance, you would never know this home was once a medieval witch's prison, used to confine and torture those accused of witchcraft. Now residents, many owners have claimed that while living in this cottage, they felt imprisoned by dark forces. What force could be so abhorrently evil that it has driven most tenants out of the home in desperation to never return? Now, since every good ghost story starts at the beginning, that is where we are going to begin. The little English village named St. Osseth has a very intriguing and cryptic past, Once named Czech, the village was renamed to honor a young woman who was currently living in the village when the Danish Vikings raided and ransacked the community in 700 AD. Osseth was the daughter of Freewald, Chefton of the Americans, and Willeburga, the daughters of the pagan king Pinda and Mirka. She was raised in a covenant and wanted to live her life as a nun. Unfortunately, due to political reasons, she was expected to be married to King Sigher, of Essex, but eventually she was able to escape her marriage with unbounded desire to dedicate her life to God. Thankfully for her, the king accepted this and decided to give her land in the village of Czech. She created a nunnery and continued to live her life happily and peacefully. That was until the Vikings came. When they found Osseth, they asked her to deny her faith. She plainly refused, and the men beheaded her. Her headless body then stood up grabbed her head off the ground and put it between her arms and walked to the church, collapsed and died in front of the two wooden doors. Chick was then renamed St. Osseth, in honor of the woman who boldly and fiercely loved her God, even with death literally forcing her head. A copious amount of years later, St. Osseth would be home to many witch prosecutions in the 16th and 17th centuries. Ten women were hung, and in 1921, the remains were found in a garden in the village. One of the remains was in chains. But before these women were sentenced to death, they were held in a small square prison where they were tormented until their final days. The prison, or the cage as it is now called, is where our hauntings begin. The cage continued to be used as a holding cell for criminals until about 1908. It was then given some additions to be converted into a small house. We don't have many details about what some of these residents experienced while living in the home around this time, but we do know that many tenants came and went very quickly, blaming the hauntings on wanting to leave. One previous tenant of the home did end up hanging himself, which some have confirmed to think he is one of the spirits who still reside in the residence. Vanessa Mitchell was a buyer of the home following this incident. By the time there were rumors floating around this small town that the house was haunted, but Vanessa didn't seem to care much about this, thinking it could all just be a fabrication or simply mild hauntings, if that. Little did she know, 
her life would soon change drastically and it wouldn't be for the better. In 2004, Vanessa Mitchell and her friend were eager to get their own place. A lover of her little town, Vanessa wanted to try to stay in St. Osseth. Ever since being a child, she was always drawn and admired the little cottage that sat at 14 Cochester Road. She thought the history of the place was very intriguing, with a plaque reading the cage, medieval prison, St. Osseth, resident Ursula Kemp was imprisoned here before being hanged as a witch in 1582. It was last used in 1908. When she saw that it was for sale, she immediately snatched it up. Filled with giddiness, she and her roommate moved into the home. It didn't take long for her new house to start showing its true nature. Over the course of her living there, she would hear children crying, footsteps upstairs when no one was on the second floor, clomping and stomping up and down the stairs, doors being slammed shut, blood being spattered about, voices talking in rooms that were empty, and full-blown apparitions of people dressed from a completely different time period. One spirit in particular would be the driving force of Vanessa's desire to leave her home. The shadow man first came to Vanessa while she was making tea one afternoon. As she was making the tea, she heard footsteps behind her. Expecting it was her roommate, she turned around and saw a very tall black figure standing directly in front of her. This figure had no features, but Vanessa could tell that he was staring her down, trying to intimidate her. Vanessa felt frozen in fear. Not a muscle would move. She felt like that moment lasted an eternity. Suddenly, the shadow man turned around and left. It was too early for her to know it, but this blob of black evil would make many appearances through her many years of living in the cage. One day, early into her move, Vanessa was sitting in her living room when she saw an apparition of a woman from another time period walk from the prison room to where she was in the house. She was clearly dressed like she was from another era. While knowing this wasn't a natural occurrence and one that would normally scare most people, Vanessa could tell that she meant her no harm and was almost more of a calming presence than anything else. The apparition started sprinkling some type of leaves over her head. At the time, Vanessa couldn't understand what the woman was doing. But after experiencing the terrible, malevolent spirit of the shadow man, she believed this woman was actually the soul of an accused witch, Ursula Kemp, and she was trying to protect Vanessa from what was coming. The story of Ursula is as follows. Ursula was a woman who lived in St. Osseth in the 1500s. She had a son named Tom who she loved very much. She was a single woman at the time, and during this period, being a single parent led to a very, very difficult life. In order to make money, she worked as a midwife and wet nurse for women in the village. As a side hustle, she was able to heal the sick. Many came to her with ailments, and she was able to heal them. A good friend of Ursula's, named Grace Throw, came to her needing for her son to be cured from convulsions. Ursula agreed to help, and the boy was cured. Grace couldn't pay Ursula at the time, but told her that once her baby came, she would hire her as the midwife, and she would be paid her debts. Grace surprisingly hired another woman instead to deliver her baby. Ursula felt cheated and betrayed by her friend. Grace then fell into lameness a few months later and asked Ursula for help. Ursula was not thrilled about this, but agreed to help her friend if she paid her the 12 pence. She agreed and was cured by Ursula once again. But then Ursula asked for the money. Grace still did not give it to her. 
Not long after, Grace's baby girl fell out of her bed while sleeping and tragically died. Claiming that Ursula put a curse on the child, Sir Brian Darcy threw her into the cage and over the course of four days, she was interrogated three times. In order to receive clemency, Ursula did admit to witchcraft and also accused 12 other women in the village with using black magic as well. Brian Darcy kept such specific and detailed records of his interrogation with Kemp that the trial of Ursula is the best known documented witch trial ever held in the United Kingdom. Even though Ursula admitted to witchcraft, she was sentenced to death by hanging. After seeing who she thought was Ursula, things started getting kicked up a notch. It was October and Vanessa claimed that no matter what the temperature was outside, the cage always felt like it was 10 degrees colder. As part of her daily routine, she would come downstairs right after she awoke and light the fire in the living room. One particular morning when she headed downstairs, she noticed that the TV, record player, and every light was turned on. By this point, while it was unsettling to her, it did not surprise her. Things like this were getting pretty common. However, while she was standing there taking it all in, she heard an animalistic growl in her ear. Thinking at first it must be an animal in her home, she turned around, but quickly realized that there was no one else in the room with her. She knew this was coming from something in the house, and she felt with all her heart that whatever this thing was, it wanted to harm her. To try and deposit some good energy into the home, Vanessa and her roommate decided to throw a Halloween party in their house. While getting ready for the party, Vanessa heard what sounded like angry stomping down the stairs, and the door to the stairwell slammed shut. Annoyed, thinking it was her roommate upset at something, she yelled down at her. Suddenly, her roommate appeared behind her. It was clear it was not her roommate who was trudging down the stairs and slammed the door. They decided to proceed with their party, feeling that more people in the house, the safer they would feel. Vanessa made her way to the bathroom to continue getting ready. As she was getting ready, she felt a sense of dread come over her, like something wasn't right. She looked at herself in the mirror and saw the shadow man standing directly behind her, basically breathing down her neck. She stated that she could feel literally an ice-cold chill running down her back. This shadow stayed behind her for what felt like an eternity. Finally, he started fading away, but Vanessa knew that even though she couldn't see him, he was watching her. Always lurking and being invisible was that much more terrifying. Vanessa would later express that she believed this creature was the spirit of a jailer. She described him as pure evil the one who tormented the poor souls of the people locked away in here so many years ago and continuing to torment today. Vanessa's roommate had a boyfriend named Jim, and he moved into the home. Having a man in the house made them feel more comfortable, but they still decided that they would be safest if no one was left alone in the house. They made a pact that they would have a buddy system at all times, since the evil energy seemed to ramp up when they were alone. One night, while Jim was sitting in his room, he heard footsteps coming up the stairs. They were heavy, like usual, but they were moving very slowly, as if to scare on purpose. Once it reached the top of the stairs and stood behind Jim's closed door, he heard a growling sound, similar to what Vanessa heard. Then his doorknob started jiggling and the door latched opened. As the door slowly creaked open, Jim awaited in horror to see what would be behind the door but there was nothing. 
Being too much for Vanessa's roommate and Jim, they ended up moving out of the home. Understanding that everything going on was too much to bear, she understood, but she still felt like she was left alone to fend for herself. Soon after they left, Vanessa would find herself pregnant. As if being terrified from apparitions and phantoms wasn't enough, Vanessa was actually injured from some of these spirits as well. Claims that she was bitten, slapped, and pushed down to the floor. Two examples in particular happened upstairs. She was in the bathroom brushing her teeth one morning and something slapped her across her butt with so much force, it was heavily painful and would most certainly leave a bruise. Like much of the interaction in the home, she felt this wasn't playful and was 100% intentional. Not long after this incident, she was getting ready to leave for work when she was pushed down to the ground by something invisible. Once again, it was with so much force that she felt this thing was trying to harm her. She landed on her side, but with a baby growing in her belly, she couldn't bear the thought that if she hadn't landed on her side, if she happened to land on her stomach, what would have happened? The shadow man wasn't the only malicious spirit in the home. During Christmas, some of Vanessa's family and friends came over to spend the holiday with her. While going to the upstairs bathroom, Vanessa's friend Jackie paused at the bottom of the stairwell. As she looked up, she could see an apparition of a man who looked to be dressed from another time. He was filthy looking, with greasy long hair. He was peering down at her, giving her a look of disdain. Jackie decided that he wasn't going to scare her and continued to make her way up the stairs, quickly approaching him. As she got closer, the stench of him became putrid. He didn't say anything to her, but her whole body sensed that he was saying, get out, I don't want you here. Months later, Vanessa had her baby. Before long, she and her baby only kept to one room in the house, that being her bedroom. She didn't want to risk not always having her eyes on her baby, and she desperately wanted to leave the home, but felt stuck due to finances. One evening, realizing she didn't have enough clothes to wear to work, she decided with apprehension to go downstairs and get her clothes ready. Her baby was sleeping and warm in her room, so she thought it would be best to leave him there. As she was ironing, her son's toy train started going off on its own, circling around her feet on the floor. She felt something was terribly wrong. She grabbed her clothes and flew up the stairs. Once she reached her room, she saw a man standing, peering down at her baby. He looked as if he was a spirit from modern day. He was put together, clean, unlike all the scraggly and dirty apparitions she was used to seeing. His presence felt evil though. She screamed and ran towards her baby, grabbing him and running to the bed and covering them with covers. It was the only thing Vanessa felt she could do. They fell asleep and in the middle of the night, she was awoken by the rattling sound of her door. At that moment, she knew she had to leave. She no longer felt like she could keep her baby safe. One of her friends let her and her son move into their home. So relieved, Vanessa packed up what she could and promised to herself that she would never take residence in the cage again. As she stepped out of her home and closed the door for the last time as a resident, standing there ready to say goodbye was the shadow man, moving closer and closer to her. He knew he won the battle for the fight of his prison. After she moved out, she put the house up for sale, but had a lot of trouble selling it, so she rented it out to a few people who were desperate for a living situation. Even with a warning from Vanessa, these tenants didn't seem to mind the idea of a haunting, but her tenants would never last long in the house. All of them quickly seemed to experience much of what she did. 
One specific tenant got physically attacked by a spirit. It finally got bad enough that she promised to herself she would not rent it to another tenant as long as she was the owner. Even as the house sat empty, that didn't stop the spirits from showing themselves. Many passerbys on the street would call Vanessa and ask why she had a mannequin in her upstairs front window. Vanessa claimed that of course she didn't have a mannequin, and they would say they saw a scraggly old woman looking down at them from the window. They would also sometimes see the top half of a man as well. The house didn't always sit empty, though. Her home was getting a lot of attention from paranormal investigators, so even though she wouldn't rent the house out to tenants, she would rent the house out for some paranormal work. Much of what the tenants experienced would be what the paranormal investigators would too. There was always activity to record and document within the home. Investigators would get overwhelming feelings of dread and depression when walking into specific rooms, feeling as if they were being stabbed, doors being slammed behind them, and hearing voices. Many of them were happy and relieved when their sessions would end, and they could finally leave the home. One paranormal investigator found that the prison was built on a satanic ritual ground, so no matter how hard one might try to rid the spirits from this home, it would be impossible to cleanse it completely of evil. The cage was finally sold again in December of 2020 for 226,000 pounds. Apparently, the home has been cleared of most evil and that some residual hauntings do still occur. But from everything that we have researched, I wouldn't be surprised if 14 Colchester Road goes back on the market very soon. Hey, Brittany. Hey, Holly. So first, I know that we just wanted to say hi to all of our new listeners. We have so many new listeners. Like in the scale of this being a new podcast, we have a lot of new listeners. And we're getting so many from all around the country, like states that we definitely don't even know people living Mm -hmm. in. So hi, guys. Thanks for listening. We're happy you're here definitely makes us all a little bit more worth it when we have more people listening and it's also this is our first episode that we've done outside of north america so it's cool seeing all of it come together yes yes very true and that was a lot of fun i think the hardest part about this episode was just making sure we are pronouncing things correctly oh yeah that was (laughs) there were a couple of times where i was like what yeah i know Okay, (laughs) so first things first, what did you think about this haunting, Brittany? I thought it was crazy Um, because of how this medieval, North America doesn't have anything medieval. So anything that is from like the Crusades or just, I don't know, before America's time, it's all so interesting Because it's just not a part of our history as Americans. It's kind of, you know, you only get to hear about it. Well, I guess only everybody gets to hear about it now. But it's not a part of our history. So learning about another country's history is always eye-opening. And then witches and ghosts and demons is all kind of fun. Especially because, you know, we talk about ghosts, but 
not witches. Right. We had the Salem witch trials, but this is not the same thing at all. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it was just a prison is also crazy because I was looking at it on Google Maps. And for a fun fact, if you look at it on Google Maps, there's a big tractor outside <laughs> of the house. Of course, so, right? <laughs> of course. I'm pretty sure that was like <laughs> the spirits doing that on purpose. Yeah. When I was looking at the house, I was hoping there was going to be like a lady in the window or something. How cool would that be? Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I just thought this whole story was insane. I mean, I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, man, I definitely want to, you know, delve into this a little bit deeper and really research it because I thought it was just so cool. And because it has such a dark, deep history from so long ago, like, you know, that these hauntings are just like, just fixed in this place and you know they're going to be there forever probably right um and the fact that it was this prison this jailhouse was built on a satanic ritual ground too i mean that's just like adding fuel to the fire yeah just just crazy and the fact that like that wasn't even like that was just recently discovered that wasn't something that's been known for a really long time too which makes that super super cool Definitely i don't know darker, that i would use the word i don't know that i would use yeah. the word cool <laughs> that's uh, yeah darker yeah <laughs> makes it even more spooky it makes it more sinister and not great which is like this so this wasn't a friendly haunting not something that you'd really want to be involved caught in with. the middle of yeah <laughs> i have um, a confession to make okay the whole time reading about this house and Ursula Kemp, all I could think about was Sarah from Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost. <laughs> you know how she was like a Wiccan, but then yeah. she was evil. I'm yeah. like, that was Ursula. She was probably evil, and we just don't know. Well, um, the history is that she was a white witch because she was healing the community, but maybe so. Um, she did admit to, um, using some of her little spirits that she had. I think one was a cat. They're called familiars. Okay. Yeah. There were two males and two females, right? So she admitted to sending one over to knock the baby out of her little like bed, which, you know, is terrible and pretty evil, but like her friend didn't pay her for the umpteenth time. And she was like people can't mess with me like this. Like she was definitely sending a signal, but I understand like killing a baby is really, really bad thing. Yeah. Like the baby didn't owe you money. Yeah. Come on. So I think she probably could have handled that a little bit differently. Um, yeah, please don't put a curse on me from the other side, Ursula. Deep down, I feel like I'm on your side. So don't put a curse on me. I feel like she can't hear us. Maybe she can. (laughs) Maybe I'm cursed, but I don't feel like she's listening to us right now. Yeah, well, I, you know, we we think that on one side of our family that a curse has been put on there, but we're not going to talk about that right now. Right. If you know us personally, you know what we're talking about. But, um, yeah, pretty sure one side of our family is cursed. Hopefully that doesn't move on to us. <laughs> but another thing that I thought was really cool was that behind, well, I guess not cool. I need to stop using the word cool. Fascinating. fascinating. Yeah, fascinating. I think it's funny when you get on here and you know that people are going to be listening to your conversations. I feel like 
my vocabulary like goes from this big to like this big because I'm still nervous doing this. Behind the house is a narrow street and it's called Coffin Alley. It used to transport dead bodies to the cemeteries. And one of Vanessa's guests actually did see like a residual haunting behind like when she was outside smoking a cigarette and so what makes a residual haunting different than like a haunting of somebody or a spirit like pestering you is that like residual hauntings aren't as intelligent and they are like still in their own time period so like they're not seeing you watching them right so it's almost like mm. it's just like a tape being played over and over and over again. So like there are going to be many reasons for residual haunting. You could just be like tapping into a different dimension and they're not actually ghosts or spirits. It's just like something that that like energy is trapped there. So like things that are things that were happening from that time are just being played over and over. Or it could be that, yeah, they are just spirits and like they're just you know, copying the same movement that they've been doing, living the same life over and over again. So she did see a residual haunting of two people carrying a body, wheeling a body away from the prison, because that's what they would do. And I don't know. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, because these hauntings weren't specific to just inside of the house. So right. they, like, they, like, you know, you could see it elsewhere. Now, I wasn't sure um, for... People who got locked up in the cage, were was it just anyone or did they have some otherworldly aspect of why they got locked up? Yeah, so it wasn't just witches. I mean, it could be frightening criminals. And sometimes mm -hmm. there are talk that there are children's spirits in the house too. Sometimes if these children didn't have anywhere else to go, they would stay in the prison with their, like with their moms or dads. I remember last time I was like, no children are going to die, but not true. <laughs> Sorry, guys. But yeah, anything like petty criminals, even, I mean, you could be thrown into jail for anything at that time. Like it didn't matter if somebody just didn't like you. Yeah. That's crazy to think about. Matthew Hopkins, who is like an infamous self-appointed witch finder. I mean, he would destroy people's lives just because he was like fascinated with the idea that witches or anybody practicing witchcraft, or anybody doing anything that involved the occult, even if they weren't, even if it just looked like it. He was just so fascinated and, like, obsessed with convicting these women. He was awful, and, like, he would be considered a serial killer in this day and age because he just wanted, like, he killed whoever he wanted to kill. Yeah, maybe he was a witch. Well, or a warlock. Well, you know, the one what, who smelt it, dealt it. <laughs> well, no, I think he was just a man who was entitled <gasps> and thought he was the greatest thing ever. So I know, right? <gasps> oh, no, Not a, a man, right? Um, but at first I was like, maybe, you know, if he apparently he like was super short, um, <laughs> like he was a very small man. <laughs> so another, you know, of but um, I would like to say we love short kings. So yes, don't worry, everyone. Well, yeah, it, right. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is because. I thought because he's such a vile or he was such a vile human being that he possibly could have been the spirit of the, the shadow mm. man. The shadow man is like huge and towering. So it's probably not a little Matthew Hopkins. 
Actually, so while Vanessa did think that it was the spirit of the jailer, there were paranormal investigators that stated that they didn't think that this dark, the shadow man was ever a human, that he's just like a demonic spirit that just resides there and wants to like trap souls. I mean, that makes sense. Could have been since it was on a satanic burial ground or satanic ritual site. Yeah. Um, maybe that's who took the souls of when they did the rituals. So now he's still coming to get his due. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he I also- wanted Vanessa. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it seemed like he wanted her to get out, so I don't really get it. Maybe really she was too was. pure of heart. Maybe. Maybe so. If you watch her interviews, she seems like she was. She seems like a really, really nice woman. Mm-hmm. Because, so I, I also wonder, too, because there aren't that many, and that many known spirits that reside there. Like, we know we have the Shadow Man, we have Ursula Kemp, possibly, right? And then there's, like, maybe a few more. But it is, there is so much energy there. Like, there are so many spirits coming in and out of this jail that I wonder if, if, if they come in, if the shadow man like sucks them in and keeps their souls there. Mm, Like hotel California, but for (laughs) spirits and worse. I think it just like has a lot of energy. So I think it draws these spirits in to kind of like, almost like it's like a vessel where you can, like, see the other side of the veil, I guess. But I wonder if they get trapped. Like, I wonder if the Shadow Man traps them and keeps them there like an actual prison. Seems like it. Because even even now so, especially now, I mean, because this place has definitely been sensationalized and it has had a lot of media attention, especially in England. The person that recently bought the house... I wonder, like, what, what would make them want to buy this house? Ignoring the fact that it's, like, super haunted is crazy to me. And I know that a lot of people don't believe in this. If you read all about this property, like, every single person that has stayed there basically has, has said that they have been in contact with something, like, something has happened, and the majority of the time it has not been a good thing. I'm going to go out here on a limb, Brittany's conspiracy theory. Maybe it's a descendant of Ursula who bought the house. Because, you know, she had a son. Why would anyone buy that house? Why? Hmm. So, I'm like, maybe maybe it's a descendant. That'd be really interesting to find out. I know there's not a lot of information on the person who bought the house from Vanessa, but, you know, they say, I don't believe in any of that kind of stuff. Well, when you get shoved down the stairs... Yeah. You'll probably believe it. Well, I know Vanessa had a theory, too, that she possibly, because she was always so drawn to the house, and I, I believe I re- remember reading something about how she saw a psychic before, and the, the house apparently chose her. Like, that's why she was so drawn to it. So it, like, picks who is going to be the owner. So she wondered if, like, in some past life, too, if she had had any affiliation with this place. Hmm. So that's, yeah, I mean, I think you're right on it. I think that's a good uh, theory, Britt. That's so interesting. 
the people coming in and out. I mean, even people working in the house, they didn't mm-hmm. want to be alone. If they were working in the house to do something for Vanessa and she would leave them, they would be like, uh-uh, you're not leaving me alone in here. You're coming back. Like, I'm not being in here by myself. Well, it's also, from the pictures, it looks like it's a pretty small house. Yes, um, it is very and small. I did love the listing from 2020 that they put out because there's candles everywhere. There's like at least one broom in every picture. Yeah. And they have like funny little witch signs everywhere. It it reminds me of the Sanderson sisters house. Like that's what the listing looks like. Yeah. That's exactly (laughs) what it looks like. They they did a good job, um, especially making it look preserved. Yeah. But you probably couldn't get anyone or dang house to update it. Yeah, that's true. That was the charm that Vanessa really liked about it was the way that it looked because it was so mm-hmm. different, you know, and that's what that's what she's drawn to. Right. Um, would you ever I know like I, I mean, I would never stay in the case. Like, I know that I'm almost always like, yes, take me like I will go. But I would never, ever stay the night there. Would you even attempt to go in the cage? No. So you would just, if I was like, all right, we are going to St. Osseth right now, you wouldn't go? I don't know. Um, Even if you kept, like, all the doors open. That doesn't mean anything. That spirit man could just slam them shut in your face. Oh, that's true. That's exactly what he would probably do. So you're right. He would be able to smell the fear on me. He'd be like, that one. So, no, yeah. I probably wouldn't go in there. I'd probably, like, look in the window, and there'd be some, like, granny staring back at me, and it'd be like, I'm glad I didn't go in there. Yeah. I think or I the mannequin. Just, yeah. I would just take, like, a brisk walk through there, like, real quick. In less than a minute, I'd, like, just count it down just to, like, get a feel and then leave. Yeah, that's – so I think it was on our first discussion. Maybe it was on the second one. Where I asked you if you would stay somewhere where you knew the spirit was evil. Oh. Or, and who knew this was going to come up? It only showed themselves sometimes. Or you got a spirit who showed themselves all the times, but they weren't necessarily evil or good. You said that one, not the malevolent one. Now you're like, yeah, we'd go in there. Yeah, no, I guess I need to, like, retract what I said, don't I? Um, Holly's brave, y'all. Yeah, no, there's, there's not a shot in hell that I would stay in that house. Not even like with paranormal investigators. I mean, I might feel like slightly safer if I did that, but, and like most of these paranormal investigators are like happy to be done with it when they're done with it. From what I was reading, they're ready to go. Well, it's just so interesting because I know they opened up the house for paranormal investigators to come in, like you just said, but the fact that people want to do it over and over and over again, and it's like, you could get stuck in there. Like, I, that's why I'm like, why would you want to go in there? Because if, you know, the thing, the evil tall man pushes you down the stairs and you die, you're stuck there with him. Right. Well, and... Something that we didn't put in the episode that Vanessa, like, would hear is, like, there would be, like, certain parts of the house that she would walk into, and she would literally hear chanting 
to kill herself. Oh, no. So, yeah. Mm-mm. So, when we know that a tenant before her did kill him, kill himself. So, and that was apparently, like, his spirit's super angry, too. I wonder if that's yeah. who she saw watching her baby when she was like, nope, I'm done. We're leaving. Mm. I think there's a lot that could keep you there. And, yeah, if you die there, oh, my gosh. What happens to you then? Hopefully Ursula protects you. I know. And that name, too. Well, speaking of Ursula and underwater, I am super excited about what we're going to talk about next week because I've been asking Holly since the first day to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, Lake Lanier, I know we talked about it a little bit last week, but we moved up to Georgia in like 2007 or something, and we had never heard of Lake Lanier, and we yeah. moved basically right on it, like five-minute drive, and we're like, awesome, a lake, because we grew up in Miami, and now it's like, ooh, I never want to go on Lake Lanier, because it is, there's there's something going on, and we're going to get down to the bottom of it. Yes, yes. I, like, had never done research on Lake Lanier before this, so I'm sure there's, like, way more than we'll even find. We leave it like a few days to get this episode together finished but if anybody's listening right now if you guys have any conspiracy theories or know anything and you want to share it with us please like send us a dm on our instagram sisterstitious or send us an email at sisterstitious at gmail.com because we would love to know i mean we live in atlanta we have a lot of friends here I feel like we have a lot of listeners here. So if you know anything about the haunting of Lake Lanier, besides just like bodies showing up or people getting, you know, people disappearing, besides that, we would love Mm -hmm. to know from native Georgians. I want to know so much more about it. And yes, I love Ozark. I love that show. I would love to go on a boat and see the house. From behind, um, but I don't think I'm ever going to go on Lake Lanier again. So, or pretty much any body of water in Georgia, because apparently there's a lot of underwater towns, a lot of hauntings in different lakes. So we'll also talk about those different lakes too when we talk about Lake Lanier. I also like change my mind a lot, so I probably will go on another body of water, guys. I'm sorry. I'm a Libra. I'm not super consistent here, okay? Oh, I'm definitely going to go on another body of water, but I probably wouldn't go out on Lake Lanier. Unless, like, someone has a boat, you know? Yeah. No, you're just going to jump jump right into the water. (laughs) Get pulled down. (sighs) By some skeleton. Probably won't be a skeleton, but um, on that note, I guess we'll see you guys next week. Bye, guys. It was fun. Bye. Bye. This episode was produced, written, and edited by Holly Daniel and Brittany Murray. Cover art by Ben May. We want to thank you for listening to this production of Sister Stitious.